Um, yeah, earlier this year, in a wilderness area outside of Seattle, this actually has something to do with what I just said, by the way. Um, <laughs> wilderness area outside of Seattle, a woman had a harrowing experience while using a pit toilet. You may be familiar with these things uh, where they do not have running water. They are, you know, structures, and beneath that structure under the ground, there is a deep pit. She uses a toilet. Okay, so while she was using the toilet, she was looking at her phone. And she's looking at her phone, and somehow, inadvertently, that phone slipped out of her hand and landed in the contents in the pit below her. Now, many people consider their phones to be items that they cannot live without. And apparently, she was one of those individuals. Because the idea of leaving her phone at the bottom of that pit apparently was not an option for her. So to retrieve the phone, she decided to disassemble the toilet, move it off to the side so that she could expose the larger opening in the floor. And she reached. But the phone was down there a little ways, and she couldn't quite reach it. Although she could see where the phone had fallen, it was, it was still s- several, several feet past where she could, she could reach. Undeterred, she came up with another strategy using the leash that she had for her dog. And she decided to tie that leash around her waist and somehow fasten it somehow inside. I don't have all the details. But anyway, what she was going to do, or what she was attempting to do was she was going to lower herself a little bit down into the hole so that she could hang above the contents of the pit and be able to grab her phone while not getting into the pit. Well, while she was trying to do this, Her plan failed, and she went head first. Yeah. Now, on the bright side, she got her phone. (laughs) Um, But now she faced another problem. How was was she going to get out of the pit? It was well above her. And after several failed attempts, to get out, resulting in more unwanted exposure to the contents of the pit. She accepted that there there was a trend here, (laughs) right? She accepted the reality that if she was going to keep trying, things were probably going to get worse. And so she decided to use her phone to dial 911. (laughs) Fire department showed up. And they dropped several cinder blocks down into the pit so that she could stand up on those and get high enough so that they could slip a harness under her arms, pull her out, and wash her off. Although I hope you never experience something like this, and I do, sincerely, chances are you've tried to fix problems in your life, and the more you've tried to fix them, the worse they have gotten. Anyone relate? Like this woman, the more you tried, it just 
got worse and worse. And one of the reasons this happen is, happens is because we have the capacity to think that we have really, really good ideas when the reality is they're terrible. Like, we can actually be delusional in this regard. We can think that we've got it figured out. Man, this would be great if I did this. But history can tell us that our ideas are not always the best. Have you ever put off for later something that you knew you should have done today? Seemed like a great idea at the moment, right? Yeah. Have you ever eaten more food than you should have eaten? Man, oh, it would be great to have seconds right now, or, thir- or fourths, or whatever it might have been. Man, it's a great idea. In the moment, it seems like a great idea. But afterwards, it's, it's not so great. We realize it's, we, we can think of some really great ideas. Perhaps you've wasted money on an impulsive purchase. Man, this is going to be wonderful. Suffer later. We've all done it. We've all done things that seem like great ideas in the moment, but they ended up making our life worse. Thankfully, the Bible offers, offers us a solution to our delusion our destructive way of thinking. So today we're starting a sermon series called Good News to All. And I'm really happy to be focusing on the good news of the Bible. Really happy to be just getting into this, spending some time with it, because the truth is we all need to hear it regularly. We're all prone to ways of thinking that are just terrible, and we need to hear some really good news to get us back on track. God is aware. Thankfully, he is. He is aware of the messes that we make. And the good news is, is that no matter what you've done or who you are, he knows how to clean you up. He knows how to pull you out. He's not afraid of the mess. He's not afraid to come close to where you are. He's able to pull you out and show you a better way of life. So this morning, I'd like to look at how God rescues us from the toilet of sin and what we can do to keep from falling back in. (laughs) Yeah, all right, so the title of the message this morning is Made Alive, and before we open the Bible as we do here, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, help us to get it. Help us to realize Apart from you, the more we do makes only, only makes things worse. I pray, God, for humility to receive this truth. I pray, God, that we would have open hearts for you to enter, to clean, and to bring life to. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please turn with me to, this is the New Testament book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at verses 4 and 5. You've heard it already in the praise and the worship. And I hope that the repetition does you and I well. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible tells us how much we need God. So as as Christians, there's even a song that we sing, right? People need the Lord. We have this idea that that we need God. We, We know that, of course. We as Christians know that people need the Lord. But it's easy to think that some people need God more than others. can think that. Now, this way of thinking was also true for God's people in Bible times, the Apostle Paul who wrote the letter of, uh, to Ephesus or to the Ephesians. 
He was a Jew, and he understood his people. He knew that they also had this thinking that some people needed God more than others. After all, God had shown special favor to the people of Israel, to the Jewish race. He had fought for them. He protected them. He provided for them. He extravagantly showed his goodness to them. Unfortunately, the people of Israel, God's people, misinterpreted all of these demonstrations of his goodness to mean that it said something about them that they misinterpreted what it said about them. They interpreted this to mean that they were better than other people. Of course, God is going to lavish his goodness on us. We are so good. Look at how religious we are. We know the Bible. We go to church. We do all these good things. We pray. We give. We do all these, these important things. Of course, it's almost as if they deserved it. Of course, God's going to bless us. We're such good people. And because they thought they were better, they thought they didn't need God that much. And I'm really simplifying things, but that's why they killed Jesus. Jesus came to say, you are in desperate need. You are slaves to sin. You need me. And they're like, uh-uh. We just need help with the Romans. We don't need that much help. We just want you to bless us. We just want you to give, you, give us some good things. We don't want you to be Lord of our life. We don't need that. We're better than other. Maybe other people need that. We don't need that. We're religious. And today, Christians are prone to making the same mistake. After all, God's blessed us, right? He's led us. He's guided us. He's given us so much. I mean, we know the Bible. We go to church. We do these good things. But this does not mean we need God less. Christian or not, it doesn't matter who you are. We are all in desperate need of a Savior, and that is Jesus. To help us understand our need, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm getting to verses 4 and 5, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible, Paul describes our spiritual condition as dead. That's our spiritual condition. He uses the word dead. Sin or disobeying God's law means that we are separated from God. And God is the source of life. The biblical worldview is all of life comes from God. Sin is our way of saying, I choose to be separated from that. And if we are separated from the source of life, the result inevitably is death. It's a death sentence. Not a pretty picture. But despite our condition, deplorable condition, the Bible gives us Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2, starting with verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. It's good news. People who are stuck in sin can have hope. Not because there's, the Bible gives us some amazing self-help program. Not because if we just try harder, we'll figure it out. We are stuck. And our only hope is God's great love for us. When it comes to being saved from misery and death, we're kind of like sports fans watching a winning team play. 
mean, have you ever seen this? Or maybe, maybe you've been one, you know, in that place where you've got all the paraphernalia, you've got the hat on, you've got the jersey, you've got your bag of chips, and you are there to support your team. You're watching them, and you're watching them on TV. So it really doesn't matter what you say or do, they will never hear you. But you're there. And when there's a big play that needs to happen, you turn your cap inside out and put it on in crazy ways, right? You, you hold your breath, you, you hold tension in your body, almost as if to will your team to win. But really, the only way that team is going to win is if they perform well. Like, you can't do anything. You're going to celebrate, and you're going to have a great time watching that game if you are rooting for a winning player, rooting for a winning team. Because of God's great love for us. Though we are dead and we cannot do anything, we have a God who wins, a God who is always victorious, A God who looks into your life, sees what's going on, is not repulsed, and has a solution. A God who can help you in every circumstance. That's our God. Although we are spiritually dead, we have a God who is alive. Some fans want to say, oh, I'll get out in the field and I'll do better than that. We can't do that in a spiritual context. We are dead. We can't do anything. But we have a God who is alive and a God who never loses. He never fails to bring a win even out of the worst circumstances. And because of his great love, he has made us alive. Now, I realize that some people might struggle with that statement. He has made us alive. They might struggle to believe that this verse is applying to them, that that when the Bible says God's great love for us, they might be thinking that word us does not include them. But in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5, the Bible makes it really clear who this us in verse 4, God's great love for us, for me, does God really know what he's saying here? Does he know what I've done? How could he be saying his great love for us, knowing what I have done, knowing what you have done, those shameful things that we hope no one ever finds out? God knows, is he talking about me when he says great love for us? This is the, these are the people God is talking about. The us that God has great love for is none other than we who were dead in transgressions. God does not show his great love towards us because we get it right some of the time. That's not why. His great love is demonstrated in this way. He loves people who don't get it right. They're stuck in the pit of sin. And they can do nothing to save themselves in this pit. By describing us as dead in our transgressions, He's saying that our condition could not be any worse. Our problem is not ignorance. Our real problem is not ignorance. Our real problem is not a lack of experience. 
Our real problem is not tiredness, that we just need to rest a little bit. Our real problem is not that we're just sick and we're going to get better. If these things were our problem, then we might be able to do something to fix our condition. Our real problem is much worse than all those things. When the Bible says that we are dead, it's helping us to set realistic expectations of ourselves in this life. Okay, so if you have ever cared for a baby, you know how sweet they can be, right? They're just, they're wonderful. They have these cute pudgy arms and legs, and you know, their laughter is so pure. They're just, they're just wonderful. They're, they're, they, when they're asleep, you know, they, they're just like angels, right? You know, they're just precious, precious little, little things. But these precious little humans are capable of making some vile-smelling messes. They can. Even with the convenience of disposable diapers, cleaning up a baby's mess is not for the faint of heart. But yes, dads, you can do it. (laughs) You, You have the fortitude to do it. Anyway, parents do it all the time. Parents change the the diapers all the time. Even If the smell is so bad they want to lose their lunch, a loving parent will clean up after their baby. Why? Because babies are incapable of changing their own diapers. No rational person would expect a baby to change their own diapers. In fact, if babies try to touch their mess, and I'm not trying to be graphic, but this is just the human experience, right? If, if babies try to touch their mess, it only makes things worse. Those of you who are parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? Please don't play with that, right? It's only going to make things worse. The less they do with their mess, the better. By describing us as dead in our, dead in transgressions. God is saying that we can expect the solution to our mess to come from outside of ourself. Just like babies, we, we, can't, we can't clean up this mess. We can't clean up the mess of sin. The solution must come from outside of ourselves because we are incapable of dealing. This is not flattering to the human pride. You come to church to hear you're incapable. (laughs) I get it. It's not flattering, but it's reality. And as it is with loving parents, it can be a wonderful thing to be cared for extravagantly, right? If the mess of sin is going to be cleaned up in our life, we're not the ones that are going to do it. Because dead people don't do anything. The good news for everyone is this, that God has done what we cannot do for ourselves. Ephesians 2 verse 5. It says, even when we were dead, even in the worst of circumstances, you're dead. It doesn't get any worse than that in the human experience. Even when we were dead, God made us alive with Christ. For people who are spiritually dead, being with Christ makes all the difference. Because of our condition of deadness, we could never be with him 
if it was up to us to get ourselves to be with Christ. The only reason that we can be with Christ is because Christ comes to be with us. He comes to us in the toilet of sin. He joins us there. The Bible tells us that Jesus entered this world just like you and I enter this world. He became one of us. He came with us. He was born from a human being. Jesus is fully human. He cried. He laughed. He learned. And he suffered when he was tempted. As a human, Jesus entered our mess. He entered the mess sin caused. And he went to the cross to bear the punishment that you and I deserve to bear. When Jesus died and was buried, the disciples thought that this was the end. He had entered a place of no return. What hope was there? But in dying, Jesus joined the human race at the lowest experience possible. This is the lowest place. We can't get any lower. The cross, the grave. He went to the lowest point that we can go. And at the place of our lowest point, at at the place of greatest hopelessness, at the worst possible place, Jesus brought life. He brought hope. And he returned to life. The resurrection of Christ is everything to us. Without the resurrection of Christ, what good is any of this? He went to the lowest point, and he gives us hope that the dead can live again. And I'm not just talking about those who are physically dead and the resurrection to come. I'm talking about spiritual deadness. This is what Paul is talking about here. The spiritual deadness, the incapacity that we all have because of sin to do what we know to be right, to follow God's laws. If I wake up in the morning and I say, I'm going to get it done today, I am dead. I can't do that. I can't love unconditionally as God's law calls me to. I can't love God with all my heart. I can't love my neighbor as myself. I can try super hard, but inside, it's not true. And I'm going to fail. Me trying to follow God's laws on my own is just pretending. Because I'm dead. The resurrection of Jesus is good news to all. Because in our deadness, whether it's physical or spiritual, he is able to bring life. Death is not a place of no return. We know that this is true because Jesus returned from there, even from the dead. He knows how to rescue dead people because he's been there. Now, when you need to see a doctor, you want someone with some expertise, right? That doctor needs to be educated. That doctor needs to have some experience. And hopefully that doctor has a track record of successfully treating people with your condition. We do not want to be seeing a doctor who is practicing on us for the first time. We want someone with expertise. This is Jesus. Jesus has the expertise. He's come as a human being. He's faced temptation. He's overcome through dependence on the the Father. He went to the cross. He's died. He died for us. He died in our place. 
He bore our transgressions. He knows what it's like to go to the grave and to come back. And so he's able to make us alive. Because we are dead in our transgressions and sins, it appears hopeless, but not with Jesus. When we are with Jesus, we have hope. Our victory over death has already been accomplished in Christ. In Ephesians 5, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul does not say, and I'm going to make the point again that Tim just made. I thought it was really good. Paul does not say that God will make us alive. Look at what it says there. It doesn't say that God can make us alive, present tense. By using the past tense verb, Paul removes all uncertainty of our new life in Christ. He made us alive. When Jesus came from the grave as God with us, he made us alive. It is a past tense thing. This was accomplished before you came and did anything good or bad. He made us alive in Christ. That means that we can't mess it up. It happened before you showed up. You can't take it away. He's already accomplished it. It's a historical fact that Jesus died, was buried, and came back to life. And because he is with us, he has made us alive. So if you're willing to stop trying and trust that God is able to save you from the pit of sin, then you are made alive. This is not some new fabrication, some new thing that God's going to try. He's already done it. He applies it to you. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know how your deadness to sin, how your spiritual deadness shows up in your life. Maybe it's your relationship with God. Maybe you're trying to fix it by proving that you're really worthy of his love and worthy of salvation, worthy of him coming back to this earth and taking you to heaven. Maybe you're struggling to fix that. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse or a sibling. Maybe that's broken. Maybe you're trying to fix that. Maybe it's a relationship with someone at work. Maybe it's a bad habit. You're trying to change it. You're trying. Maybe this time I'll get it. Never been able to change it before, but maybe this time I'll get it. Maybe it's something that you're doing that you know is wrong. You're intentionally doing it, but you're just not willing to give it up. Whatever it is, God meets you there in the life of Christ. And God is able to give you life. You have been made alive in Christ. He changes our fundamental problem of spiritual deadness. And if we are willing to stop trying to get out of the pit of sin, He can save us. He can take you out. He can rescue you. Regardless of how powerless you may be, I want to invite you to stop trying to fix it. invite you every moment to be able to turn to your Savior who has made you alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for seeing us 
in our deplorable spiritual condition. Thank you, God, that you are not repulsed by the smells of death and that you are able to enter our lowest point and bring in the sweetness of your life. Oh, God, may we not think that because we're in church today that we don't need this so much. May we recognize that our only hope is in Christ. So God, right now I open my heart to you. And I want to invite each of my family, my church family here, to open their heart to you right now. Wherever the deadness is in our life, God, we invite you in. Bring your life. We pray in Jesus' name.